here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. to the Brit Rest Roundtable. With me is not Rob, who's studying something. Is it e- e- economic? Um, e- I don't know. E- e- yeah, economic. <laughs> no. Yeah, something like that. So with me is Ollie Kors. Uh, hello. I'm no longer, well, I am still studying, but for the night I'm off because I've just had an exam, so I'm ready to talk some wrestling. How, how did the exam go? Uh, surprisingly well, actually. Uh, much better than maybe I was expecting. So I'm in a good mood. So no no burials this time. <laughs> Excellent. Well, there's no Thatcher on the shows that we're covering today, so no, exactly. you should be fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this evening we're going to be talking about the Global Cruiserweight Series qualifiers that have recently taken place um, in the UK. Uh, we'll be looking through RevPro's recent Epic Encounter show in Reading, which has gone on their new um, on-demand service. And we'll also be looking at uh, Chapter 29, The Progress, uh, which was about two weeks ago now. Also possibly touching on 28 in between, which we'll see. Depends how we're doing. Um, But we're going to kick it off with um, the Global Cruiserweight Series qualifiers. Um, These were kind of spoiled by uh, Triple H himself (laughs) um, when he announced that uh, Zack Sabre Jr. and... Noam Dar were going to be competing, and then they were in qualifying matches. Yeah, <laughs> that it was kind of obvious that they were going to win. Yeah, there's no no real way of saving face on that one. That's just a a, a rookie mistake by uh, Uncle Paul there. <laughs> yeah, you you think he'd know better by now, um, but then NXT are kind of spoilerific, aren't they? Because they they tape. Yeah, that's true. Uh, like a month. Before the I, well, they, they did like a month's worth of taping at a time. So I feel like since these are you know qualifiers, I mean spoiling the qualifiers doesn't really mean that much. It kind of puts egg on the face of um, Rev Pro in progress. Um, but you know the match is still delivered despite uh, two out of the three uh, knowing the victor in advance. So eh, eh, yeah, <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah, it's unfortunate for the guys that were kind of booked to lose because, you know, you looked at them and thought, well, they're just in there because they want someone who's going to lose. 
which is the case with the uh, Rev Pros was uh, took place on May the first, I think. Well, yeah, May the first. Um, that was uh, Josh Bodum against Noam Dar. Uh, Josh Bodum, uh, if you are selecting somebody from Rev Pro to represent the company as a cruiserweight, he'd probably be your guy. Whereas uh, Noam Dar hasn't worked for Rev Pro for mm. quite some time. This this was um, um, a big problem with. Well, a big problem that I saw uh, when the matches were announced. You know, you had uh, Pete Dunne, who's pushed in Rev Pro, but hasn't appeared on a Progress Chapter show um, in almost, like, two years. And then he's going out representing Progress, whereas Noam Dar, who's been uh, in ICW for the last several months, just suddenly comes back to Rev Pro um, and gets the shot there. It was just a, it was odd, to say the least, but... Um, Guys weren't in the positions you'd necessarily expect them to be in, um, which again kind of dampened it, it a it's bit. It's not like Once they can say no, though. <laughs> not really in a position <laughs> exactly. to say oh, I don't think that's the right guy to be winning in this this promotion. But <laughs> so, such as the 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 issues with working with um, WWE, they're yeah. not exactly going to want to push your agenda. They're going to want to push theirs. And but the extra eyes that these companies are getting on them as a result of it is is a real bonus oh, yeah. for them. They've got hundreds of thousands of views on YouTube, these little highlight clips of the three matches. So, um, yeah, if even just a small percentage of people who watch those clips then go and search them out further, that's a, a boon. So uh, they've definitely benefited from featuring it, even if the booking had to be a little bit weird to get there. Yeah, well, in, in the long run, it's only going to help them out, uh, having that association. Um, after the uh, the match between Bodum and Dar in Red Pro, uh, Marty Skill came out and decided to address the elephant in the room, and that's that he wasn't <laughs> named in any of the qualifiers. Which is interesting, uh, because he's saying, I don't do tryouts. Like, you, you know how good I am, either book me or don't. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how much of that is, is kind of a shoot, and how much of it is like, Maybe he's going to be in it anyway and just get named at a later date. I don't really know. Well, we'll have to see. But I, um, I wouldn't be shocked if um, he got a place despite not being in any of the qualifiers. Um, and he's he and Zack Sabre Jr. are the two guys who are ready for that level of competition out of everyone. Like, they've got the the characters, the confidence, the, the wrestling ability. They've got the whole package. Um, they're the ones ready to step up to the next level out of everyone. So, Marty, you know, we'll see what happens. <laughs> we'll see who's there come the summer. Uh, well, the guys that they've selected, it seemed like they were picking uh, deliberately different-looking guys. I mean, like Sabre, um, he has a very specific look. Mm. Uh, then Jack Gallagher, you know, the whole... Uh, circus strongman from the twenties look that he's got going on is completely different, and then Noam Dar, uh, just for name and accent alone, is completely different to those two guys. Mm -hmm. um, they certainly represent different aspects of um, British wrestling, yeah. uh, but all of them, none of them are really high flyers. Like this has been a bit of a theme along with uh, the Evolve guys um, uh, in the qualifiers. None of them are cruiserweight. Uh, stereotypical cruiserweights, you know? Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Um, you have to feel that there's going to be um, luchadors involved. 
so maybe it's just to kind of offset the the high flying nature of those guys um and they'll you would think there'd be more japanese talent involved and there's 32 names going to be in there so maybe they want the the european guys to be very much uh grounded mat wrestlers yeah which makes I, sense i can't argue with that and zack saber jr has to be uh, a strong contender to win the whole thing or go very far i think gallagher and dar may only be there to lose in the first round or the second round but uh saber jr could go all the way yeah I, I mean you would have thought the winner is either going to be somebody who's under contract at present or it'll be somebody who they want to sign yeah and that'll be the way that they bring them in which i think is probably the most likely outcome but it really all depends on on the people that they've got in mind if they're looking at Kota Ibushi, then maybe he's the shoe in for the whole <laughs> thing if they're going to sign him. Um, but yeah, Sabre, strong contender. Should be deep into the tournament semi-finals at, at least, which will be good uh, good exposure for the old Brit rest scene. Definitely. Um, just like the whole uh, the trio of matches have been with, uh, I, I think, collectively the coming up on a million views on YouTube, so that's that's really good um, uh, promotion for those two companies. Okay, so uh, RevPro um, have just started their on-demand service, and one of the first big shows that they've had a chance to upload onto it is the Epic Encounter show that they ran in Reading uh, in the middle of April, April the 16th. Um, I was kind of tempted to go down to this one when I heard about the card, but I was working on the, the Saturday day, so I didn't really have a chance because uh, it kicked off sort of mid-afternoon. Um, the card they had for it was, uh, as I discussed with um, Galazzo Dan last time out, was a really strong card. Um, it got slightly less strong when the show rolled around because uh, Will Ospreay had, um, had buggered his knee up, uh, so he wasn't fit to compete. Um so Michael Elgin, in the opening match, uh, faced off instead with uh, Ricochet, who was due to be uh, competing in the main event. Uh, he was doing double duty. Uh, so did you see this one, Ollie? Uh, yeah, indeed. Um, Elgin and Ricochet, a really good opener, like really strong indie, super indie kind of matchup. And between two guys who don't really get the opportunity to wrestle each other, I don't know if they've ever had a singles match with each other i certainly haven't seen it um obviously one well, in, in japan they, they kept they kept yeah definitely because of weight differences and ricochet is defined as a junior and elgin's a heavy and it, like it was a really explosive way to open the show both of these guys have like big satisfying move sets um i couldn't really find any uh anything at fault with this it wasn't like uh <laughs> I was going to say it wasn't an epic encounter but i guess it was since <laughs> it was on this show but yeah it was a really fun way to start the show at the start of the match, I was a little bit worried that Ricochet was going to take it easy because he had another match later in the show yeah. and it was a like, big, important main event uh, match. But um, after he kind of took it easy for about five minutes and then I think he just thought, well, fuck it. And um, there was there was a lot of, uh, of crazy spots down the, the stretch towards the end of the match. Um, Elgin took it in the end with a uh, Elgin bomb. <laughs> of course he did. <laughs> But yeah, it's a solid back and forth match for, for an opener. Uh, straight from there, um, we went into uh, Josh Bodum against uh, Big Donnie Dijak. 
uh, Big Donny um, <laughs> has come over before and wrestled Josh and lost. Uh, so this was kind of we. I kind of thought this was going to be a revenge match for him, a chance to like square up a, a series, but it didn't work out that way. Mm. It was a really like a heated opening. Like he had a really good crowd ball, uh, one of the best crowd balls I've seen all year. <laughs> uh, I'm not really a big fan of um, that whole style, but the, like the intensity was there. The commentators really got over that they hated each other. Dijak, um, he's certainly improved since the last time I've seen him. Um, like he's got really intense facial expressions. Um, he could be something really good. Both of these guys could be something really good in the future. Um, they're both still a little raw, but uh, they put their best foot forward here, definitely. He he looks about seven foot tall because he's always in there with the mm. like small indie yeah. guys. And when you you're doing like a Fosbury flop over the ropes. Looking that tall, it makes you look very impressive. So yeah, I thought both guys looked really impressive here. They had they, this was a kind of a weird thing. I found that they had they did the big things right. They got hit some really big moves, um, like won the crowd over a bit. But then a few of the little things were a bit missing, and it was a bit obvious to see. Like when Bodum went for the pin and scored the pin on Dijak. Dijak's hand was sort of under the rope. I feel like a more experienced wrestler would have noticed that, moved the hand, and um, like completed the cover. So well, they're, they're both young guys. Yeah, um, both twenty-two. Same age as uh, as Will Osprey. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's just a lot of good young guys coming through. Um, obviously, some are more advanced than others, but um, yeah, both these guys are going to learn. Uh, Die Jackson improved a lot recently. Bodum over the past year and a half has gotten really good. Is he must have been in the gym quite a lot. His upper body looks a bit more wrestler-like. Yeah. It used to be a bit sort of pudgy, but uh, yeah, he's kind of got that down now as well. Um, they're both looking like good workers. So I, I enjoyed the match. I didn't so much enjoy the camera work. I don't know if you noticed, but the ringside guy, uh, the fellow with the ponytail, don't know his name, <laughs> but... Um, he decided to uh, start doing the old WWE zoom oh, in, yes. zoom out on the punches gimmick. And this has been didn't a, do it particularly well. <laughs> this has been a criticism of uh, Repro's production. I've heard from a few people. I don't really see it. I, like I just don't notice that sort of thing. But some people, um, they don't like the whole the camera switching and yeah, the WWE whoa in and out thing. Yeah, see, I hate it when the WWE do that. So. Like a an indie copy in them is just going to annoy me, and I honestly I thought he was having a seizure or something. It, <laughs> it was that fast in and out. It just oh, it's ridiculous. But yeah, I, if people like that, then you were kind of stuck with it. But I hate it. Yeah, I I don't notice it, but I have heard people talk about it. So yeah, you not suddenly feel motion sick like in the in the middle of the match. <laughs> also, I doing I do enjoy a good throwing a guy through several rows of chairs spot and Dijak delivered a big one to Bodum here so that was very satisfying very well, yeah. uh, moving on from that one uh, we had more revolution revolution oh easy for me to say revolutionists action with uh, Shah Samuels and James Castle defending their British tag team championship against Johnny and Jody uh, Johnny Storm and Jody Flash going after tag gold in 2016 <laughs> what a time to be alive uh, not much here for me on this one. I I'm not really um 
there for the nostalgia of uh, Storm and Flesh since I wasn't around during their heyday. So, and you know, a revolutionist's shtick does nothing for anyone really. So, <laughs> no, not really. And they've been tag champions for it feels like years. It, I looked it up; it's about ten months, but it feels longer. It's been it's been almost a year. It will be a year soon <laughs> and they've, they've done literally nothing in that year and they face like tenkoji and bullet club and uh. <laughs> bonnie and jody um nothing the one part about this that uh, i think worked really well was um chris roberts getting the accidental body slam oh, on, on shah samuels wonderful terrific that was i love that <laughs> probably the worst looking body slam i've ever seen but um he it, sort it made of, me laugh. So. Sort of cradled him and then dropped him. And oh, tremendous! Charles Samuels essentially did an abushi and like dumped himself. That was yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, I was kind of getting the the whole Kogan Andre the Giant WrestleMania three flashbacks there with the <laughs> with the height that he got on it, which wasn't very much. But yeah, a nothing match and a DQ finish and get, the, finish, get the titles yeah. off him already. Put him on freaking Jake McCluskey for all like a. <laughs> Anything is better than this. <laughs> and anyone else at this point. Uh, you'd hope they're kind of building up to a big change yeah. at some point. Uh, I don't know what they're really planning because they don't really have a tag team division to speak of unless they're planning on putting the belts on uh, Sabre and Skull. Which, I mean, they. you'd think at some point they're going to have a match. Um, that seems to be the, the main crux of their booking at the moment yeah. is that you well, know, Sabre kind of... we'll, we'll talk about where they're going with the leaders a little bit later. Okay, yeah, we've got that in the main event. But yeah, yeah they're, they're really the only uh, tag team that they've got that they're, they're featuring on the shows. So it seems odd to me that um, mm. they're not building somebody up from, from like, somewhere. So either they're going to bring in a super team to win the belts or something else is in the works. So we shall see. Uh, next match up was uh, Big Damo against Roderick Strong. Another uh, real good showing from Damo. Uh, strong showing against Strong. Mm. Uh, Damo continues to look really good, to no one's surprise. And Roddy is still over with the heel shtick in Britain, so good stuff. It, the match started a bit slowly, but it picked up towards the end as they sort of got to know each other a little bit with how they worked. Got more comfortable in the ring. Nothing to complain about. <laughs> yeah, uh, Roddy couldn't wrestle like his usual match um, because of Damo's size. So it was kind of interesting to see him work around it, kind of focus more on his uh, strikes. Because um, a backbreaker on Damo is not yeah <laughs> likely. You, you probably wouldn't want to even attempt it because you're just going to hurt yourself. And mm. they did like one back breakery type spot where they it didn't even land um because i think roderick was worried about the state of his knees and um and then damo took it with the uh the ulster plantation yeah it was uh, kind, kind of as a, an upset or kind of a sudden finish i thought they could have gone a little with a little more time but uh big win for damo um he got a win over bailey earlier he got the win with strong here I feel like you can beat the American indie guys in a way that you can't beat those New Japan main eventers. So they've sort of done it a bit well, backwards. They did, <laughs> did put him over Ishii as well. So he's, uh, he has racked demo. up some big wins. But um, 
Now, do you think they're building him up to be like a big star for them, like a big main event guy? Well, he was uh, against uh, Zack Sabre Jr. in a British Heavyweight title match at the Live at the Cockpit show that happened four days ago, which will eventually air on RevPro TV. So that will be a match to watch out for to see what he does against the the best of the best in Sabre Jr. Yeah. It's always interesting to see what guys do against uh, Sabre because he, he can have that match with anyone where he just kind of works the arm over. and But against a, a, a guy like Damo, like a different size guy, different style, it, it should be interesting to see what happens. Uh, after the match, uh, with Damo calling himself the best, best big man in the world, that brought uh, Big Mike back out. Wonderful. That's right. Hashtag Big Mike. <laughs> um, um, so presumably they're going to have a match. Um, you think that's going to be on your call? Uh, well, it or depends one, which one which which, which your call is it going to be. Uh, Saber Junior versus Angle or Summer Sizzler. We don't know yet. Is is Damo booked for the first one, or will it be Summer Sizzler? I'm kind of leaning towards it being Summer Sizzler because yeah. that would be quite a big contest. Definitely. Literally. <laughs> um, the biggest contest. Oh, yeah. Well, it's, it's Big Mike and Bigger Damo. <laughs> He's a big lad. He's in the big lads division. Speaking of which, Michael Elgin would be a particularly good challenger for whoever wins that title in progress. Mm, definitely. Well, Damo is uh, in the tournament, I believe, so... Yeah, he is. He's in one one of the blocks. I forget which. Um, th- those blocks have not really been that clearly defined for me. It's like you don't really see like a table after. Well, each yeah. Just match. before I, this is this is a bit off off uh, tangent here, but just before we came on air, um, they announced that they're doing like a tag team match in the Atlas yeah, tournament. Sort of. So it's not a straight G one here. They're gonna be doing a bit of a TNA Bound for Glory thing where they're throwing in bonus matches or whatever. So. We'll, we'll see how that plays the, out. The actual final match will be on the Brixton show. Yeah, they did. Thought. So yeah, well, yeah, we've kind of gone off on a little bit of a tangent there, <laughs> getting ahead of ourselves. <laughs> back to um, Epic Encounter. Yes, back to Epic Encounter and the Epic Encounter of Pete Dunn versus ACH. Oh man, Pete um, Dunn is putting in work right now. <laughs> He's becoming a star, like in front of us right now. With, with these matches. Uh, he had another really good match with ACH here. ACH really delivered. Like, the chops he delivered throughout the match, which is great. Loved that. Um, and yeah, just a real good cruiserweight matchup. Like, lots of fast action. Pete Dunne isn't like a traditional cruiserweight, but he can st- certainly still flip around he's, a bit. So He's a bruiserweight. <laughs> he is a bruiserweight. Um, ACH has come along a lot in the last two years. Mm. Um, and he's now at the age where he needs to start thinking about like what his big move is going to be. Is he going to go to Japan, or you know, maybe he's going to go WWE? He, he is kind of wasting away on those Ring of Honor mid cards. Yeah, like, and he's he's gotten good to the point where somebody else should be looking at him now. Yeah, like either push him to the main event of Ring of Honor or uh, head off to Florida or Tokyo. You know, yeah, <laughs> he's he's ready for that spot. Yeah. Um, Pete is another one of the 22 years old crowd, mm. um, which you kind of look at that the the guys that are in that that age bracket and think in about 
what, three, maybe four years' time, there's going to be some sensational matchups going on. Definitely. like Just because they're all coming up together, it's like what you have with Sabre and Skrull and Haskins um, when they all kind of came through at the same time, that they knew each other and that kind of allowed them to build chemistry over time. There's a whole load of guys <laughs> at the moment who are all coming through together. Yeah, it's very exciting in a couple of years' time. Like, let's think about the amount of talent there will be, because they'll not only be the 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 veterans by that point of Sabre Junior or whoever, if they're not already under lock and key somewhere else. Um, and then there'll be. I kind of get the feeling he uh, Sabre will not be around. Yeah, in like three years <laughs> but, time. you know Haskins, etc. And there'll also be this current crop of new talent, and then there'll be a new crop of new talent, and. <laughs> Uh, it'll just keep growing and yeah, it's, growing. It's good to see. I mean, like, um, I think we I can't remember how many episodes ago it was because I can't remember which one this is, but we were talking about um, the possibility of of losing the likes of of Saber, Skrull, Osprey, and who would step into that that void. But um, with every passing show that I watched, there seems to be another candidate pop up where you think, well, he's he's kind of good now, but like, give him. Uh, <laughs> Give him six months, give him a year, and he's he's going to be ready to step into that breach. We're sort of seeing that with um, uh, another tangent here, but the Progress Super Strong Style 16 lineup so far, no Osprey, no Skull. Probably not going to be in the last few announcements. Well, we know Osprey isn't going to be in it, and Skull probably isn't because he's the champion. So the two like major guys in Progress aren't going to be in it. It's a big opportunity for the Duns and the Gallaghers and the Gibsons to step up and be the stars of that tournament. Well, so, there will always be spots available. Um, and I think one... these guys are ready to fill them. Like, I feel there wouldn't yeah. won't be any drop-off of quality. Like, even losing a superstar like Osprey um, to New Japan, not on a full-time basis, but on a part-time basis at least, I don't think that's going to necessarily well, drop the talent. He down. has signed, so he's... he's... He's in New Japan for, for two years now. Um, that's pretty much guaranteed. So while he's in New Japan, there is always the possibility of him wrestling in the UK. So we've got at least two years of, of part-time Osprey. So we've at least got that going for us. And then after that, who knows? Mm. Anyway, tangent over. That's uh, yeah, um, the so serious back to, business. Back to, Back of to Peter Lord Dunn. Gray. <laughs> um, I just need to address the finish on on Dunn and ACH, and that oh, okay. is the name of his finisher, which they they called it the Drop Dead Pump Handle Face Buster. <laughs> uh, what? That seems oh no, I I know I know why it's called that. Uh, this is um obscure knowledge coming in. <laughs> it's this is because in um well not in Rev Pro he has some generic theme music in Rev Pro. Um, but in Progress, uh, Pete Dunne's theme music is by Bring Me the Horizon, and the lead singer of Bring Me the Horizon, uh, has a clothing line called Drop Dead. I know this because I used to go out with a girl who obsessed over Bring Me the Horizon, so my knowledge from strange things happening a few years ago now all comes around, and I know why a wrestling move is called that. Yes. <laughs> That's that's good information. But it is, <laughs> it, 
why didn't he just call it the, the drop dead? I guess it just seems like the, um, <laughs> it's like a, a little bit long winded. It's like uh, Perry Satin had the uh, moss covered family three handled credenza at one point. Yeah. It just seemed a little <laughs> bit uh, excessive. I was just wondering whether his uh, drop dead pump handle face buster was also moss covered. But, no, um, it's, it's in the 1004 move, surely. It's got to be in there somewhere. Uh, it's kind of like a like a spinning flapjack thing. This is why I don't call the wrestling matches. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, now we can move on to Princess Unicorn. Yes. Um, Kitty and Grey, praise the Lord, uh, was up against Dalton Castle. Um, I was really hoping for like a, a like a blow away comedy match here, but what I got was actually a very solid wrestling match. Yeah, I enjoyed this one. Which kind of unexpected. I thought this um, was uh, Gideon's best outing yet. Um, the entrances alone would have been worth the price of admission because they were fabulous. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, and Gray hit Gray on promo is just uh, he's a he's a joy. But um, I thought this was his best wrestling showing so far. It helps when you're in there with a guy like Castle who is he was just throwing Gray all around the ring and like he's a legitimately great like Greco-Roman style pro wrestler and that's kind exciting to forget see. that because he's he's got this such an over-the-top gimmick yeah and it's all about like you know peacocking um but his actual like technical skill is you know it's it's very solid yeah he'd belong with uh american alpha any day yeah yeah he, that's the level that he's operating on and you kind of forget that just because he's so flamboyant and then gray worked around that well with like uh, little heel moves, um, and yeah, <laughs> just a, a generally very satisfying match to watch. With the with Gideon Gray, it's like he is a comedy wrestler, yeah, and yet he doesn't have many comedy spots. So I'm quite pleased that he's put something into his arsenal, which is um, I can only assume it's vertigo, is that he just he can't bear <laughs> going up to the top rope, and he has to kind of work his way down to yeah. the. the the first one before hitting a spot. That's that's perfectly that is, that's acceptable str- strong comedy. Spot, yeah. <laughs> um, I wish he had more stuff like that that he could work into matches because at the moment he's just he gets a lot of cheap heat and he's just kind of he, he's a guy that can put on a rest hold and then just kind of argue with the crowd for the entire time that it's on. Mm-hmm. And that that's fine up to a point, but like it would be nice if he had an entertaining move set. Yeah. Maybe yeah. he just doesn't want to be cheered in any way. So I can understand that, but that you have to draw the line somewhere. Mm, uh, yeah, I mean, well, you see in like a uh, DDT in places in Japan where like everyone has like one or two real signature spots that they bust out every performance and like pops the crowd and then goes away again. I would like to see that from Gideon a bit, just like something rec- like Pinchas Unicorn. It's a recognizable chant that you can uh, chant every time, <laughs> like just one or two moves, but. Uh, you know are coming, and then they can play with it a bit, you know? Yeah, that's that's exactly what I want from him. Um, I, every time he's up against somebody who's really funny, I keep expecting it to be, oh, this will be the match that he, he has me in stitches. Because he, he, just his face alone, <laughs> he's got so much personality just in his looks that you, you know he's got something in there. There's There's got to be something. To, you know, like a certain X factor that will bring him up to, to that level, but 
yeah, that that the climbing down off the top rope thing that that was good. If you can find more stuff like that, I, which is not easy, but it more of that would be good. We don't know um, how old the Lord is either. He might be uh, one of these youngins, even though he may not look it. <laughs> uh, well, he's a bit of an ugmo, so um, in terms of age, it's kind of it's always harder to judge um, unattractive people <laughs> in terms of their age. It's, it's harder to tell. But um, I don't, he he knows he's not a a work of art, so I'm sure he <laughs> won't take that personally. But uh... so main event was um, the leaders of the new school against Matt Seidel and Ricochet. We haven't really touched upon this, but the leaders um, in this case of the tag team of Marty Skrull and Zack Saber Junior have been around for around eight years as a team. Um, admittedly not an awful lot after the first three of those because uh, Sabre went to Japan. But, you know, they started out when the top talent was like Doug Williams, uh, Johnny Storm, Jody Fleisch, guys like that. Started out in uh, IPW UK and then expanded out into like the likes of Premier Promotions, FWA, uh, WXW in Germany, uh, wrestled for 1PW on their last show. Uh, so they got to the that point pretty quickly where they they'd spread out and got good but then when sable went to japan that was kind of the end of it and it was only like an every now and again thing this is like the first match they've had in uh, over a year as a tag team and the last match they had in as a team in rev pro was uh, four years ago um so it was interesting to see them come back together uh, even if it's just for one match, but the dynamic that they had was great. Mm. Like they're obviously real life best friends, so like they work together great. They have a lot of fun in the ring, um, which is evident. Like whenever they're in a singles match against each other, they're always doing uh, little comedy spots and uh, enjoying them, like enjoying life, enjoying <laughs> enjoying their work. What uh, there's nothing better than that, really. Um, and it, it's a joy to watch, definitely. The uniqueness of it at the moment is that you've got uh, Sabre, currently the champion, uh, a, a British champion. Um, Marty Skill is the number one contender for that that title. He mm -hmm. won that um, back in January, but has since said on, on RevPro TV that he won't challenge while Sabre is the champion. Um, this all seems to be leading to to some kind of long storyline where he won't challenge and won't challenge. But Sabre has kind of been bossing him around a little bit. Sabre being the baby face, Skull being the heel. Even if Skull gets cheered nowadays, he's still the heel. Yeah, it's, it's a very uh, interesting dynamic that they've got on, and uh, something I've never really seen before. Um, and they're certainly hinting at a, a little bit of tension. Um and that's Sabre Jr.'s personality as a wrestler. He is a bit of a, a boss. Like, I would say he sort of uh, bosses people around in the ring, and that sort of extends his character uh, out of the ring as well. Um, so it's no surprise they're going in that direction. And then Skull, uh, the finish of this match, he hits Side out with the umbrella to allow Sabre Jr. to hook him in the armbar and tap him out. Um... Which is uh, it was a uh, delightful finish because it just it just shows what 
Marty's real character is, and even though he's friends with Saber Junior, he's still the villain, and he's still a villain. Yeah, he's still gonna cheat, and eventually, it's gonna. This is all gonna boil over, and they're gonna have a match, and it's gonna be very, very exciting to see what gets them there. Yeah, that's that's the intrigue of the whole thing. Because after the the match with Bodum and and Dar, um, they ran an angle where um, uh, Dar was getting a shooing from um, the revolutionists, and Saber comes out, walks into the ring, just flat out tells him to stop, <laughs> and then order, orders Skull to the back, and and like walks out of the ring, and Skull just kind of you know tail between legs follows him. Followed then by all the rest of the revolutionists, as if to say, oh, well, if Marty's being told he's got to go out the back, then we've got to go as well. Mm. So, um, they've got a number of different ways they can go with this. And it, but see, this is this is of... um, something you said earlier about um, them challenging revolutionists. This is what I was thinking about. This is how this is all going to boil over because Marty has the dual allegiances to his boy, uh, Sabre yeah. Jr., and his boy is the revolutionists. He's gonna ha- remember they've done that angle already with Jimmy Havoc. Oh yeah, where Skull sided with the revolutionists when Bodum and Havoc were feuding. Yeah. Um. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with with this. Certainly, it's, I think it's the best angle that they've done um, since that that Bodum Havoc feud. I think this is the best work they've done, character and storyline wise. So uh, mm-hmm. I'm really excited to see where they go with it. Uh, about this match, really good match. Um, if you're only going to watch, uh, like cherry pick the very best of the best to watch this year, and you've got that Rev Pro subscription, then make sure you catch this one. Definitely. Now, the last few minutes, especially, is uh, just like some classic world class wrestling. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> oh, this entire show, there wasn't, a, apart from the tag team match, there wasn't a dud match. Um, so six six very strong matches, very well worth your time to go and watch. Yeah, very solid show. Very impressed. Um, I, it's a shame that they didn't really hype it as much as they do the Your Call shows. And I think the crowd that they got as a result was... Um, uh, Rob said he, uh, he felt that the crowd was very quiet live because he actually went to this show. Uh, whereas um, if you watch it on tape, they must have mic'd up the building extremely well because it, it doesn't sound like a quiet crowd. Yeah, so uh, you've only seen the the video on demand version. Did you think the crowd was was good? Because it was kind of hard to hear the the crowd volume. Um, the crowd didn't seem to be amazing, but like I, I didn't get the picture that there were any like four people chanting, um, as was reported. Um, uh, it, it was a mid like a you know, middling generic crowd. It wasn't like super hyped or anything, but it wasn't like dead quiet either. It it, it was a respectful crowd, I would say. I, I think I put that down to the lack of hype for the show. I mean, I only actually heard about it the week of the show, <laughs> which is not really enough time to prepare to go and see something. Yeah, also, Whereas... we've both been in the building and we know it's, uh, an echo, it's not exactly an echo chamber. Like, all the sound goes yeah, up. Yeah, it just goes and it disappears. So... It doesn't help. That doesn't help either. Um, also, you know, Reading, like, it's not exactly the bastion of wrestling, so. No, not really. It's not really a, a hotbed. But, um, 
you think quite a lot of the London crowd would go out for that yeah, it's one. It's not but, that uh, far away from London, that's true. But uh, maybe pe- people would just leave. People from London are just terrified of, of leaving that, you know, because it's past the M25. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah. it's a different world. Like, is, is that the north or something? <laughs> <laughs> it's more west, but... Uh, uh, yeah, so that was um, the Rev Pro show. Uh, the... We are going to move on to the uh, progress shows now. Um, Ollie, did you have anything to add to our Chapter 28 analysis from last time? Um, I actually hadn't seen the show when we talked about it, but Dan had, so he kind of ran through the whole thing. Uh, anything you wanted to add to that? Uh, I think you and Dan covered it pretty well. I will say that Mustache Mountain looked uh, fantastic on their debut as a team in progress. Um, and it's great to see Trent Seven getting an opportunity in progress and Rev Pro, like just within the same month. Like he's had a great month, almost a breakout month. He's one of those Midlands guys who hasn't yet re- really given any sort of opportunity to strike it big on one of these on-demand thousand-person crowd shows. So let's hope he gets on a chapter show, maybe in the Strong Style, or maybe in one of the Cool shows. Because he is really good, and like he's also like yeah. a tremendous character. Like he's so charismatic, just without really trying. He's got that sort of Zack Sabre Junior. esque sort of quiet um, charisma to him. Tagging with Tyler Bate, then that's pretty much a guaranteed ticket. But right there, um, especially in Progress, where they've got a strong tag team division, I think they'd be good uh, good assets there. Mm, definitely. Uh, but we'll move straight okay. on to Chapter Twenty Nine. Uh, which I was lucky enough to go see. Uh, instead of revising, I went down to London for the day. Uh, and they started straight off with the Atlas tournament. Big Demo versus Michael Dante, the big lads division. Um, kind of just a, a warm-up match for the crowd. Nothing too special. It was over in about seven minutes with Dante picking up the victory with uh, a big old spear. Um, Demo still hasn't won in progress. Uh, he debuted at Strong Style a year ago, and he still hasn't had a, a win. So let's hope he gets something going in the Atlas tournament because he is really good. So I wouldn't want him just demoted to big jobber or whatever. Um, they seem to have like a, an issue identifying uh, Demo because they keep calling him Demo O'Connor. Yeah, but his name but... is Damian O'Connor. Damian. O'Connor, Dame O. <laughs> so calling, so calling him Dame O O'Connor, it just seems really weird to me. And progress is the only place that do it. Oh uh, yeah, they need to nail something down with him. I I like Big Dame O. I think that's what I like to call him, and that's his ref pro name, I believe. So, and that's where it is. Yeah, he's Big Dame O in ref. Pro. Is is he Big Dame O in ICW? I mean, he's the, I should know this. He's the champion in ICW, but. Uh... <laughs> I don't think... He's he's known as Big Damo, but he's also yeah. Damien O'Connor. Uh, so. But here, Dante needed the win more because uh, after the Sumerian Death Squad, he needs some rehabbing. He needs a win to just cement him a bit as a singles guy. So I'm not opposed to that. Um, but after that match, we had the two Global Cruiserweight series. And it's yeah. not called that anymore. It's called the Cruiserweight Classic. <laughs> so yeah. fuck you for like recording your... classic. <laughs> <laughs> fuck you for recording your... Uh, um, matches with the name Global Cruiserweight Series and have that on it for posterity when everyone will know it as the Cruiserweight Classic. <laughs> um, I don't know, I, just, the f- I never liked the 
Global Cruiserweight series as a title, so I'm kind of glad they've changed it. Cruiserweight Classic definitely sounds better, but they should have just stuck with, with it now when they had it, rather than arbitrarily change it. But whatever. <laughs> um, they probably got through to Vince's office, and he was just like, "We're not calling it that." <laughs> <laughs> um, the atmosphere for these matches was uh, something a bit different, I think. Like. Because Jim Smallman did such a good job hyping the crowd up with the whole nineteen eighty four. Specifically told them you cannot swear <laughs> during yeah. these matches. The the nineteen eighty four esque uh, ten seconds of swearing was like the the minutes hate in nineteen eighty four, and that mm. was very enjoyable to partake in live. Um, but there was just a little buzz, you know, that like Smallman was like really proud that his company was being featured on such a big stage that the video would be up on WWE.com. and I feel like. The rest of the crowd really brought into that and uh, took the the atmosphere in these matches up to the next level. So that well, was Jim really is good. A terrific pitch, man. He really does a fantastic mm. job. Um, the show uh, before twenty eight, he wasn't on that one. It was uh, Glenn Joseph. Yeah. And Glenn, he did an okay job, but he felt like he was kind of rushing through all these sentences, and it it just didn't feel the same. He didn't hope the matches the same way. So yeah. um, I was really glad to see Jim back. Uh, yeah, I agree definitely. So the first guy out was Flash Morgan Webster, who would usually elicit a you know a nice reaction, but not he's not like a huge star. But like he, it felt like genuinely he was a huge star in this atmosphere. So that was really good, and I think it helped him be a better wrestler and pull out like the best performance I've ever seen of him because there well, was this kind I was of. I say this is this is. I think his best match Definitely. that I've ever seen. So uh, I yeah. I enjoyed both his matches with Zach Gibson. Um, and I think he's been improving match by match pretty much every time he's out there. But this was this is peak Webster, I feel, and it's a shame <laughs> that he got like a pretty big injury in this match. Um, he got two injuries. Uh, the one that looked worse was the he basically got hit with like a, a snap uh, dragon suplex. And he landed really hard on his shoulder, and you could see that he he kept going to check on it, and it it yeah, you could it tell he was like badly he hurt. <laughs> yeah, but um, that wasn't the bad one. He actually broke his ankle, like on a, a dive to the floor. Yeah, yeah. And that kind of looked innocuous. You wouldn't have even have noticed that it was a a rough spot if he hadn't have like held his ankle just briefly afterwards. But even after that, he was still doing a lot of lucha spots. Like there was nothing yeah, wrong. Yeah, it was like so halfway through the match, so he painful. wrestled for a good seven or eight minutes with you know Zack Saber Junior. who won't baby you around in the ring with a fucking broken ankle. So <laughs> yeah. and that and the shoulder injury came after that. <laughs> so he had a really rough day at the office. Yeah. So uh, Zack Saber Junior. was not uh, playing around with Webster in this match. Uh, Saber Junior. looked great. <laughs> like he was obviously the guy qualifying. So. I feel like the match was almost made to make him look good. Like, Webster didn't get too much offense in. Uh, he certainly had his spots, and he looked really good in them, but I, this match was more I, about Sabre Jr. I think the the best thing about this match is you had Flash uh, coming in, doing all the, the flippity uh, lucha spots that he knows. Like, every, absolutely everything he kind of threw in there, and yeah. then Zack Sabre just destroyed him. And I think that's uh, that's what they want. Uh, when they're going to show the videos um, kind of hyping Zack Sabre Jr. up is like, we've got some of the world's best flyers for this tournament, but this guy, <laughs> this is what he does to flyers. Yeah. And the, the, the finish of that 
perfectly sum that up because he did the the evolve will osprey finish where he just like destroys his arms in like i I don't even know what you'd call that <laughs> like <laughs> i can't remember who it was i think it might have been rob mccarran possibly was gonna call it the young boy killer or <laughs> <laughs> something like that it's one of the voices of wrestling guys i'm sure tweeted out the, the other day um I, I i would just call it you know <laughs> crush annihilation <laughs> It's a horrific looking hole because he put he forces the guy's head like onto the mat yeah. in between their legs and then drags both the arms up into the air. Which, if you've already got like a really badly injured shoulder, which uh, Webster had in this match, that's got to suck. That's got to really suck to take that spot. Immediate submission. Saber is really brutal though when it comes to taking people apart, and this this match is a perfect demonstration of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can see Triple H's eyes light up as he <laughs> watches the tape back. <laughs> well, the thing with Saber is he really doesn't have a WWE physique. He's but really he's so skinny. he's so good anyway that it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hopefully they yeah, can see he... past the looks and get into the work. If they can do it with Daniel Bryan, they can do it with him. Like I, I liked that um, the two GCS matches were one after the other. Like there was there was no, no there was no calming down of the crowd. We just went straight from big hype to even more big hype, and that was really good. And I like that they put on the match with maybe the two lesser known guys second to sort of. Uh, sort of boost their match up a little and boost the two guys up because this is Pete Dunne's return to the Electric Ballroom for the first time in two years, and so not many people knew who he was coming out. Like he didn't really get much of a reaction. He sort of got a token heel reaction, but nothing real much. Yeah, you kind of tagged on the uh, tag with Damien on the, one of the Manchester shows. Um, yeah, he he was on the was Manchester the last show. The one before. He was on the the, the, the Manchester show like a week or yeah, two weeks before, but I don't yeah. did most of the crowd even see that, like you know. <laughs> I like to think that they probably would have done, but um, it's a fair point. That uh, if they hadn't have seen him there, they'd probably have seen him in in Rev Pro. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that they would. I like done... to think the Progress Ultras, like the seven hundred people that they get in there, they watch a lot of wrestling. I, like I would a, assume so, yeah. A, but uh, he level of stupid levels of wrestling. <laughs> he was walking in as a relative unknown compared to other guys, is what I'm trying to say. Like he he's not he's not an established that's, character that's in the progress canon. But like he walked out um, a star. I thought his his individual performance was the best of the night, and he got himself over with some fantastic heel work. And like he just he knows when to play to the crowd, knows when to take it serious in the ring. Like he's he's very coordinated with um the way he acquires heat and the way he just uh uses moves at the right time. Like he just has that sort of innate sense that not a lot of guys have to do the right thing at the right time and it's very intangible, I know, but you can't teach that. That's something that Yeah. You you just have it or you, or you don't. And People do kind of learn it in time, but to to have it already at twenty two, that's that's good for him. That's good for his development. Um, speaking of development, Jack Gallagher started to do a lot more uh, world of sports stuff, 
And I kind of get the feeling that Johnny Kidd's shown him a few moves. Mm. <laughs> I think he's kind of had them handed down to him. Yeah, <laughs> I would be surprised. Gallagher has certainly improved a bit. I, I thought last year he I was a bit hit and miss on him. But uh, in his showings this year, uh, uh, <laughs> well, against you-know-who, but uh, <laughs> against Johnny Kidd. Uh, uh, Johnny Kidd? Yeah, is that the right one? It was Johnny Kidd, <laughs> Johnny yeah. Kidd, yeah. It, was, it wasn't um, Johnny Saints. Yeah, <laughs> he's a bit too old for that. Um, but against Johnny I, Kidd. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I've seen the videos. You never know with Johnny like, Saints. Ha- hammerlocking William Regal. <laughs> so... <laughs> uh, but yeah, I thought that match was really good, and Gallagher's stepped up a little bit, and he definitely uh, deserves his place in the GCS, and I'm happy that he's like impressed the WWE enough to get that, despite not being uh, like a big star or anything. I, I was surprised he got in, um, but having seen his past, uh, his work since he was named as a in a uh, qualifying match, um, I think he definitely deserves to be in there. He's, he's unique, which mm. is what they're looking for. Um, the this match, I think you got to see him uh, wrestle from underneath as well. So it's kind of the opposite of Saber, whereas Saber looked good in dominating a match. Gallagher looked good in in getting mm. past somebody who looked stronger than him. So Definitely. it was two different kind of yeah. approaches to getting a guy over. Completely agree with that, and I thought that really benefited the match just without the GCS context, just the match in itself had a really good face-heel dynamic, like, as good a heel as Dunn was. Uh, Gallagher was matching that with the great face reactions. Like, he's very over with the progress crowd. Uh, he's got, it's, like, a it's fun gimmick. It's extremely hard but... to be a face nowadays. Because the only way to be, become a face is basically to, to be a really good heel. So to get over as, hmm. as like, an actual face, face, that's difficult. Um, so he's kind of done it through a lot of hard work and, and, and just plugging away and, and doing entertaining stuff and it's kind of come naturally, but I, you look at, uh, WWE in particular, it's really hard to debut a guy as a face and have people cheer for him. Yeah. It's just, this is the, the age that we live in now is it's difficult to do that because people naturally want to cheer the more interesting of two people and like a blue-eyed baby face who yeah you know, slaps hands and you know makes wishes i, I feel like the it's uh difficult. the clean cut good guy can still work and gallagher showed that in this match like he like the whole build of the match was done was trying to cheat and take the shortcut gallagher was trying to outsmart him and it's possible but they have to be different they have to connect to the crowd yeah in, in order okay to so gallagher has his whole uh you know, extraordinary gimmick. He does the whole, the fun stuff. You know, he has that other aspect to him. He's not just Roman Reigns being like, "Oh, I'm such." I'm well. Roman Reigns doesn't say he's a good guy. <laughs> he's, he says he's not a good guy. But guy. like he says, "Oh, please cheer for me because I'm the designated good guy." Uh, Gallagher does the, you know, cheer for me because I'm fucking like <laughs> going away at the start of a match and doing all these <laughs> crazy moves and looking like Nigel Thornberry. He has other bits to his act rather than just... I was going to go with David Thewlis. Like a young David Thewlis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, uh, you, you say Thewlis, I say Thornberry because of the, the generational gap. I, but... <laughs> I see your Thornberry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the, the great thing about these two matches was having a, a progress crowd that was incredibly rowdy 
deliberately chanting stuff that was PG. Oh yeah, and their idea of PG is brilliant. Top they, not loser. Um, <laughs> top not loser. Bad hair, no fans. No one <laughs> likes you. <laughs> and and chance of that was smashing. Um, it was top crowd work because yeah. it's, it's really difficult to to support a match in such a kind of uncool way and yet make it entertaining for, for everyone that's there. So yeah. uh, <laughs> I, I love Top Not me. Loser. Top Not Loser was Chant of the Night. Okay. Um, after the Cruiserweight Classic qualifiers had um, gone by, uh, we got into the Natural Progression Series 3 final. And I thought they had a lot of pressure on them here. And Damon Moser at the start looked really nervous. Mm. It's um, he settled down as the match went on, and he kind of ended up focusing more on on uh, Eva. Um, sorry, Damon Moser versus Pastor William Eva was the the participants. I kind of forgot to mention that. <laughs> but um, yeah, it took him a while to settle down, and having to follow on from like two good matches, it was not easy for him. Mm. Uh, I think they were aided by the crowd being able to swear again, though, because they really <laughs> went for it. I uh, I didn't think Moser was ready for this spot. I I said that from uh, the yeah, semi-finals. I, I thought he was he was close. He was almost ready for it. And I I think of the the matches that he had uh, during the tournament, this was easily the best one. Oh yeah, but I I feel like if Ashton Smith had been in there instead, there would have been a, again a fun face heel dynamic. Uh, like it, people could naturally support uh, Jesus and uh, Boo, uh, the Invader Ashton Smith. Um, but instead, people didn't really know what to make of Damon Moser because he's so bland. There's nothing to him. The, there was one. Oh, uh, I'll sidetrack a bit. There was one thing that uh, people could latch on to Moser as like a character, and that was in his entrance scene. There's a little whistle bit before he comes out, and a couple of people around me were, you know whistling the thing and there's nothing more on this earth that i despise than whistling or public <laughs> whistling so i was just having like a, I, an aneurysm i don't mind <laughs> crowds whistling but um, <laughs> if you see a guy just walking along the street whistling i kind of want to punch him yeah i i want to punch all whistlers <laughs> <laughs> so that was an i'm very glad that that didn't get over and turn into like an ironic chant because like because <laughs> I would I'd not have been fine with that. I, uh, uh, I, I couldn't think deal. <laughs> another uh, issue for Moser is his finish is like a, a knee strike. Um, if your finish is a knee strike, then you really can't do other knee strikes during the match. Mm. Um, where it's like uh, if your finish is a clothesline, then you don't hit clotheslines. It's like you don't see JBL walking around in matches, kind of hitting clotheslines. Cause <laughs> big show, big show, it's hitting like... punches. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like you can't have that. You can't use a, like a lesser version of your finish. Mm. It, it just doesn't work. And so he was hitting knees, and I know I he could possibly defend himself by saying, "Well, like Nakamura does it." Yeah, he. He's Nakamura. <laughs> You're a rookie. Um, it's, it's a very simple tactic. You just you need you have to make your finish special, otherwise, it doesn't mean anything. So he might even have to rethink his finish because at the moment it's not it's not getting any reaction. 
Yeah, I I think Moza could rethink his whole package. Uh, I think he's definitely got tools, he's got potential, he's got a good look and a good size, but there's just nothing to him. There's like, I, who is Damon Moser? I couldn't tell you. He's a ginger guy who has a, a knee as his finisher. That's all I know it's about. Got a beard. Him. And he he can't do the whole Shane McMahon coast to coast without hitting the guy in the dick. Um, <laughs> that's all I know about him. He used to be in the Origin. <laughs> Great. <laughs> um. Yeah, that's that's all yeah. I got. What? He need he needs a character badly. And it it was difficult to get into this match, or at least not the Moza bits of the match, because I just didn't know who he was. He's had the two Natural Progression Series matches, but nothing was established there apart from he's a guy, you know? Yeah. Um, during the course of, of the Natural Progression Series 3, I was kind of waiting for the final match to ask like a big question about it, and that was going to be, do you think the concept has run its course? And... Progress kind of beat me to it um, <laughs> because for uh, Natural Progression 4, uh, they're having a women's uh, title tournament, basically, as, as the Progression 4 series. Because um, I really felt that this was kind of a, a, a weak field. For, yeah. And it, it felt like the, the normal standard stipulations of you know, you lose and you, you're not really in the promotion. They weren't being adhered to in the slightest. Tyler Bates back. He's, a, he's around in every... Uh, even Damien Dunn, uh, after he'd been knocked out, was in a tag match in Manchester. Uh, so they've got more cards to fill. They've got more spots to fill. They can't really do the natural progression series the way they did it before. If that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Um, so they they yeah, need they need to done. wait for a restock of rookies, promising rookies, and the women's tournament for four is a perfect way to do that. You know, it's it. I think it's a perfect move because they got a lot of women who they want to feature in a new way. Now, I think getting a women's title is definitely the right move for that division. We'll get onto that uh, next, talking about women's division. Um, but, we have women's division next, yeah. Um, but. I, I think there is talent down the pipeline, but not just yet. So they need to wait for a restock of rookies in the Pro Joe, maybe from people making their names elsewhere. Then for Natural Progression Series 5, in a couple of years' time, they'll have 8, 9, 10 guys who they can fill the tournament with, and it'd be really good. So hold, hold off yeah. on the idea for a bit. Use the women wisely. I, I think yeah, I'm, I'm glad works. they've had the chance to, to switch gears and do something different. Yeah. And I'm also really pleased that when Jim Smallman announced that they were going to do this at the at the top of chapter 29, that the crowd popped really hard for it. Yeah. It, um, it's something people pleasing. want to see. Yeah, I, I think this is the, the case with, with Progress when they started putting women's matches on. They really weren't sure what the reaction was going to be. Mm. And it's been overwhelmingly positive. And they've kind of taken that and run with it because some of the booking that they've done, um, <laughs> I think we need to, to kind of go into this now because yeah. this is the next match. But the booking of uh, Ginny and Elizabeth has been absolutely <laughs> inspired. Modern day uh, Ted DiBiase and Virgil, except Virgil's kind of good. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, like, they, they built it up so well that, um, I mean, the next match... Um, was Pollyanna and a mystery partner 
against Dahlia Black and a mystery partner. And basically the, the girls had to pick their opponent's partner. Yeah. Um, so Dahlia Black picks Ginny to be Pollyanna's partner. And then Pollyanna comes out and picks um, Elizabeth to be Dahlia Black's partner. I've got that the right way around, haven't I? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I wasn't listening hard enough. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, Elizabeth was teaming with uh, Dahlia, Dahlia Black. and... Gin, but oh, so no, no, they, no, they swapped yeah. the faces and heels because they were picking each other's. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So that um, and, and I like the fact that everyone in this match hates each other uh, for for various reasons. <laughs> yeah, they, they've like, built up the interrelationships between the characters fantastically well. Like it, it's it's enthralling because like the characters are genuinely interesting. And their beefs are genuinely interesting, and uh, it's very exciting to see where it goes. And it, everything sort of came to a head in this match. Yeah, it's it's the the booking on it has been a lot better than um, WWE's mentality at the moment. Seem, well, for for ever has been <laughs> our women just hate each other, and that's it. That's the <laughs> beginning, middle, and end of the booking strand is uh, women just hate each other. That's just the way it is. Yeah. Whereas here they've they've deliberately built stuff up so people have grudges with each other for for legitimate reasons, and then you've got Ginny who at the moment is probably the best heel in Europe, and <laughs> they've yeah. got it. Well, you look at the heat she gets when she comes out. Yeah, I I, I would agree with it's that because in an OTT she's like get, getting like she's, ballistic. She's the heat. Devil. <laughs> <laughs> The devil could walk out and get less heat than Ginny in OTT. <laughs> it's gotten to the point where um, our good uh, podcasting friend Ian is legitimately scared of her. <laughs> she has a very... I was sitting um, like next to the stage um, for this, and I would like to talk about like everyone's entrances for this match, because it was great. But Ginny just has such a scary face. She looks like she's, she just wants to like stare through your, stare your face off when she looks at you. Like... <laughs> Did she stare at you? Uh, she may. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> you were hiding, weren't you? <laughs> I had my head firmly under my hoodie. Didn't want to. Didn't want to gaze into the eyes. Um, yeah, because she almost got in a fight with somebody just on the way to the ring. Oh, yeah, that was great. Because I'm. I have a. I have a suspicion that uh, it was a plant. Because there's always some guy standing in that same spot who gets into an argument with someone like Paul Robinson or Jimmy Havoc and they have a bit of, bit of a push and now it was a girl in the same spot maybe it's just coincidence that she was in the same spot but meh, maybe <laughs> but that that was fantastic and so that, that worked well and then you got uh, Elizabeth being named as uh, Dahlia's tag team partner the pop she got was ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> stone cold Stone Cold Elizabeth Austin. The roof came off. It was like, what? Damn. <laughs> and I, I love just how like unassuming Elizabeth is because she's got this. She's so uncharismatic. She turns around into actually being very charismatic because like she's playing this whole unassuming every girl character, and Ginny just despises, and it just make yeah, it makes her so sympathetic because Ginny's just like acting her ass off, and then Elizabeth's just kind of standing there doing what a normal person would do and just kind of no-selling her. <laughs> it's, 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 there's a great dynamic between all four of these women that they've built up, and it 
takes little character interactions like Ginny getting into an argument with someone at ringside and all that stuff to build that up. And all, um, I'll just say about Dahlia Black briefly, like when they were escorting TK Cooper off the premises because he wasn't allowed at ringside, the fear in her eyes uh, being torn away from her lover was <laughs> incredible. So it's just little things like that that build up their characters and make the wrestling a lot more interesting. And the women have done a great job of that so far. It's interesting that they've decided to use uh, Jack Sexsmith uh, in in the midst of this because he didn't really have anything to do and we we're kind of critical of his, his in-ring work um, that he's had so far uh, interacting with the, with the menfolk. Um, kind of putting him in here, it kind of it gives the division an extra dimension as well because they've kind of put him sort of in, in the middle of all this to kind of add characters. Yeah. In Endeavor, they're doing a uh, Dahlia versus Pollyanna singles match with Sexsmith as referee, the guest referee. So we'll see where that goes. Presumably, he's going to get into a feud with TK Cooper and that'll be like a low-level feud or a uh, Endeavor feud um, to give those guys something to do. Uh, I wouldn't read too much into it. <laughs> yeah, but it's interesting that they're using characters beyond the like the, the four women here, five yeah. if you include Tony Storm. Um, it's it's interesting that they're kind of branching out a little bit and kind of incorporating them into the into the rest of the show, so they're not just like their own little segment. They're kind yeah, of part of the bigger tapestry. Uh, we we talked a lot about the characters, but what do you think of the match itself? Like how uh, the match was, it was all storyline. Oh, it was yeah, very yeah. short. Um, uh, Elizabeth kind of beat Ginny with a, uh, a lung blow where she kind of jumped her from behind and just laid her out. Um, so it, it was really short. I mean, I don't think it's even like rateable because it's such a short match. But uh, everything that they did was was perfect. Uh, obviously, we're still waiting for like a big, like excellent singles match that doesn't use like gimmicks. For these women, but presumably it's coming, and they're building it up. And whoever, like whoever gets uh, the spot to do that, possibly uh, Polly and Elizabeth, uh, Polly and uh, Ginny, even or Ginny and Elizabeth, uh, I think they could deliver uh, something pretty awesome. So we'll wait and see. Um, be interesting to see what happens when uh, Progression Four starts, because um, they've got. Well, they've got five names yeah. for it. Presum- there's, um, presumably, there's eight. Well, they, they in every Natural Christmas series, they've always done a multi-man match in one of the qualifiers in one of the first round matches. So three, three or four people in it. So maybe nine or ten names. So maybe four or five still to be announced. Uh, yeah, are, are there any women around there. that uh, you would like to see in there? Um, yeah, but WWE keeps signing them all. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know if Kaylee Ray is gone, actually. Nah, or she hasn't gone yet. Around. Nikki Storm has Nikki signed. Storm's gone. She's now Nicola Glenn Cross. Fair enough. She's like calling <laughs> Brian Lock Lomond. <laughs> um, so those would have been like the, the main two that I really would have wanted to see, but um, I'm sure they'll they'll select somebody worthwhile to yeah. to pad out the field. I, I certainly think you're looking at a if if they are going with these these uh, talents here, I think you're looking at a final that's going to involve Pollyanna and one of the others. Now, Pollyanna and Ginny from day one have been built as the two the, the top it's, face it's and the top heel. They have 
Ginny lose to Elizabeth yeah. in but, the tournament to kind of set up something else between they, them. They've, they've sort of built up Elizabeth on Endeavour as well. They've been throwing her kind of big wins, like very quick wins over other people. Mm. So they're building she her up be, as well. You might have B Priestley in there, possibly. Potentially. Um, was, a, was one of them. If they just wanted somebody to sacrifice as a first round. Because <laughs> she's okay, but she's she's kind of inexperienced. Yeah. Well, uh, they said they were not going to start it immediately, so... Um, planning. Yeah, we'll, we'll see when uh, they start it. So it might be after Brixton. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if they um, they go all out and bring in somebody big from outside. Uh, uh, international but, uh, level 2 might be cool. Uh, it's just whether they want to go that way because it, it being national progression, you that's uh, national natural progression. <laughs> you'd um, you'd probably think that they don't want to throw in any yeah. big names from from outside, but we'll see how it happens. So it's good that we're hyped for that, and the stories oh, yeah. are all kind of come into a head. We'll see over the next couple of months how they build to Brixton. Yeah, it's it's an intriguing division they've got there already. Mm. I mean, because it's it's even... all new faces, like in all the other bit. Spots on the card, it's like established people. We kind of know what we're getting into, but with the women, it's all like it's all new talent. It's all like previously unfeatured talent. So we don't we're sort of discovering them each time they come out. So it's exciting. The um, what was the deal with uh, Pollyanna uh, sitting on the iron oh, throne? Oh, it's because she's like her gimmick is his, but she's the Khaleesi. It's they don't really play up it in progress, but like her nickname's like the Khaleesi of Chaos. So. That yeah, she's like a big game. her she her entrance theme is the Game of Thrones theme, but really, yeah, I did like, notice that te- but, um, techno Game of Thrones. Oh, that was the... awesome! Live, like <laughs> I wasn't expecting it, and there, there it I, was. I was wondering what the deal was. Did they borrow it from somewhere, or did they build it? I don't. Something to I ask. I don't them. know. Because um, it looked it looked great. Somebody had the uh, the theory that um, that was going to be the women's championship, <laughs> which. Um, after the, the lengthy debate we had last time, well, myself and Dan had last time about what the uh, Atlas Championship would look like. <laughs> um, I don't know if you heard that. That was yeah. a ridiculous conversation. But um, the the women's title, if if it was like a, a Game of Thrones style throne, that would be pretty much the I mean, coolest championship. Now that it's with. not going to be, now I'm just sad. Because <laughs> I, <laughs> I want a... M- like that's always cool when someone gets to sit on a chair and oh, it sounds really stupid when someone gets to Ch- sit on a chair sit on chair. a big yeah championship chair like king of a ring or triple h's entrances i love that stuff <laughs> well, instead of a wrestling match they could just have like um musical chairs and just kind of take <laughs> one out of the ring and then they fight over the uh, the chair and the one who's last one is don't, sat down is don't the, give the tna ideas <laughs> That's a perfectly good uh, idea for TNA. They can they can run with that. <laughs> I'll let them have it. Uh, getting back on track, the second Atlas tournament match of the show, Joe Kofi versus Rampage Brown went to a bloody draw. Can you believe it? <laughs> I I can, and this was a terrific match. Oh yeah, big, um, this was big lads wrestling at its best. It was it was big lads wrestling. I um, I was jumping out of my seat at certain points of this one. Um, I kind of thought at some point we'll probably see like two guys just leathering each other. But <laughs> the the way that they did it, 
I mean, they were doing like like sh running shoulder block challenges on the floor, and it's just you just got two big guys running into each other and just mm -hmm. bouncing off like <laughs> this slap of flesh as they kind of run into each other. Um, I, I don't think they really have either of these guys have the the consistency of like a uh, Daisuke Sekimoto or Yuji Yokobayashi. Oh, well, that's the elite of the elite, big man. But yeah, <laughs> that's kind of what they were going for, and it's kind of a step below that, but it was still a very strong match. Yeah, and like they sort of telegraphed it was going to be a draw, uh, but I didn't really mind. Um, like there was urgency in the finale. Uh, and like you say, they were just battering each other, and big power moves, big uh, running strikes, you know, big lads wrestling. This is what we wanted, and this is what we're getting. It was like, um, I don't know how much cricket you watch, but it was like a limited overs uh, cricket game yeah, yeah. Uh, towards the end when they were just battering each other with big <laughs> shots. It, it was like every, everyone's trying to hit a six off yeah. every ball. <laughs> that's what it was like they were going, going for the knockout blows uh, but it wasn't just uh, you know two big guys punching each other all match the um, Joe Coffey threw in a, a double springboard uh, crossbody oh, yeah. off the top rope in there Co it's, Coffey is... is an athletic an athletic man and it was good to see him uh, be over very quickly with the crowd like everyone knew who he was knew the Iron Man shtick so everyone loves the Iron Man shtick now this is definitely the stronger block. Uh, you said we you couldn't remember what the blocks were. Earlier, I can't but, remember who's in which block. Uh, there's the Mastiff block, the Mastiff, and a bunch of other guys. And this this is a block where you generally don't know who's going to win. I think all four of the guys on this show are in one block, and then it's Mastiff, T Bone, Reese, and someone else in the other block. It's Big Daddy Volta, isn't it? Oh yeah, Volta. I think the, these are the four better guys, and. It's unpredictable as to who's going through. Oh, um, Dan seemed to think uh, Mastiff was winning the whole thing. I, Mastiff a, is definitely—he's definitely in the final. Like just the way they built the like on the first show, they announced it. Like he was like a, a prominent feature on that show, getting a big victory over Johnson and then interfering in the main event. Like he was—he, they bit that he's the one built up to at least get to the final. Which makes up this the unpredictable block, so that's just the way I see it. Yeah, I'm still not sure who to uh, who to go for in terms of overall winner. Uh, I was kind of leaning towards Damo before the tournament started, but I know the way that he's been booked in progress. I'm I'm really not sure now. Mm -hmm. And like O'Connor, he's more he's I, he's the ICW champ and he's well promoted in Rev Pro, so I don't know if they want to commit to him. Because he has all these other commitments elsewhere, it, yeah. I, I figure that they're they're creating another championship to give themselves another potential uh, main event because they don't really need to have the title defended on every show. Um, mm -hmm. So it'd be something where they could build something up as a as a big Atlas match to to headline a chapter show, so they didn't need to have the champion in a in a title defense. For the for the the progress world title, so yeah, be interesting to see how they go with that. The uh, secondary main event on this show was the origin, or four of them, 
uh, going up against the London Rights and FSU. Uh, with some very stipulations. confusing stipulations, I might add. Uh, yeah, <laughs> if, if the Origin uh, one or four of them were entered into the the Super Strong style 16, and if the other team won, whoever got the pin, their team would get a tag title shot. Uh, it's Those were the stipulations, yeah, but I feel like when the match was originally announced, they said... I'm sure they said that the ori- none of the Origin would be in the Super Strong style, and they called an audible between announcing the match and putting the match on, because I can't find the original announcement anywhere. I tried to like look it up, and maybe I just didn't look hard enough, but I couldn't find it. Uh, I, I just feel certain that that's what they announced, and then reneged on it quickly. I don't know, but that's what we ended up with. But then they lost anyway, so... Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, this was uh, kind of a fun enough match. I didn't think it was as good as the the straight up one with um, uh, FSU against uh, Ligero and Cruz from the uh, chapter twenty eight. Oh yeah, that was uh, much better than this cause... that was really good. But this was still a fun like uh, semi main to yeah. everyone get their stuff in the... and jump around. It was a booking deal that that made it because um, you had. Uh, two of the guys get eliminated from the the babyface oh, yeah, side. Yeah. They they kind of took them out of the match and then brought them back in later. And I don't know if Eddie Dennis kind of got the timing wrong on his return, but he kind of came back when everyone was down, and it kind of took away from it a little bit. But um, yeah, I I did like uh, the way they sort of made Andrews and uh, James Davis. I believe no, was it Rob Lynch? It was Rob yeah, Lynch. Rob Lynch. Uh, they made Andrews and Lynch team up and sort of form an unlikely alliance just to try and survive against the Origin before their partners came back. And their partners came back in some cool spots. Like uh, I think, like Ed- when yeah. Eddie Des came back, it, he it was like been... screaming, and like everyone turned around to <sighs> like see this fired up guy take the fight to the Origin, even though you say everyone was down. I feel, yeah, I, I think the timing was right. Uh, I think with. Uh... With the tagging uh, with Rob Lynch and uh, Mark Andrews at one point being a team, it kind of might have been more interesting if they'd have won, because then it would have been Rob Lynch and Mark Andrews <laughs> the title shot. Uh, that's an interesting way of thinking about it. But they didn't do that. They did the everyone comes back and then yeah. uh, the riots win. So the riots get uh, main to main event uh, Songstar Day One for the second year in a row because last year they were again they were getting revenge on Havoc and Robinson, and this year uh, they very well could take the titles off of the Origin here. But it's a case of like if they don't, then who who are they going to build up after that? Yeah, because they've already I, done FSU. I don't know if they want to keep the Origins last stand to Brixton, but. Uh, this is also a really big show for them, so I feel like uh, they can send the crowd home happy for the second year in a row with a Riot's victory. And the Riot's have never won the Progress Tag Titles, so uh, it would mean a lot for them to pull through on the TLC stipulation of uh, surviving, uh, potentially never tagging again, survive that, win the Tag title shot the next show, and then the show after that, win the Tag Titles. I feel like that would be very good little arc for them and uh, pay that story off really well. That makes sense. So, 
hopefully it'll happen. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see what happens at Strong Style. Are you going to uh, the tournament? Or, or... I'm not. Um, I've actually haven't got it in the diary, so I don't know when it is. Um, uh, 29th, 30th, the bank holiday. Yeah, that's June, isn't it? Uh, May. Oh, so is it? In I'm like, myself. In like three weeks' time. <laughs> the next show will be a preview. Right, okay. Yeah, I'm not, I'm working, um, such as, such as life. <laughs> ah. Um, so, anyway, there, there is one match left on this show, the, um, Progress World Title match between Marty Skill and Tommy End. This following on from, from End, uh, answering the open challenge from Marty on, uh, Chapter 28, and kicking his head off, uh, to get a <laughs> win there. That was a really good match. Yeah. This one was shaping up to be even better uh, until the finish, which I wasn't keen on. Oh uh, yeah, the finish was uh, a may, uh, a dud. <laughs> we'll say that. Like it enhanced the storyline for a match down the line. But yeah. I, I feel like this is something I was talking about in uh, my uh, little bit in the F4W um, newsletter this week is. There's, uh, because there's more shows now, um, like they're not running shows every eight weeks. They're running shows like every month or even more often than that. I feel like there's less pressure for them to make each show really big. Like it's no longer must see live. Oh, I must get a ticket to see this. Like uh, you, you're starting to pick and choose shows you go and see live or uh, or whatever, and that sort of um, that sort of thing leads to more. Uh, I'm trying to find the words. <laughs> more uh bullshit finishes, basically. Like they're not trying to deliver big on every single main event. Some mm. main events are well, just I can see, to get you to the next show. I can see the issue that they've got here, and that's that they really need to build this match up between End and uh, Whiplash. So they feel that by by interrupting the main event with it, it kind of gives that match more gravitas when it comes round. But in doing so, they sacrifice the finish to the yeah. show. It, it 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 depends on the way you see it. You can either see it as "Oh fuck, Michael Whiplash, he ruined a great main event," or "Fuck them for ruining a great main event." But I, you know, spent a lot of money buying the train tickets and that to come down and watch, only to get screwed over and um, now I have to go home grumpy. <laughs> like you either get mad at the wrestler or you get mad at a promotion, and it's a it's a difficult balance to pull. And I don't feel this one really uh, pulled it that well, just because Whiplash. I, I think it's Whiplash though. It's like it, you kind of have to be into him to yeah, be exactly. into the finish. Whiplash was so out of the blue, and you have to know about the Legion and their like their story going on in other promotions. Like you need to. So if you be... don't watch ICW, you don't watch uh, WXW, then you probably yeah. don't know what's going on. Yeah, like, it, it was so out of the blue. Whiplash was, like, shouting, it's my time, it's my time. But, no, it's not, because you've only had one match in pro progress for the last two years, and you lost it. So, you know, you can be in the strong style, sure, but you can't, like, claim that you should be in the title shot instead of end, or, like, betraying your best friend because you're jealous of him or whatever. It just... It felt rushed, and it felt like a very unsatisfying ending to the show. And the match before it was just getting going. It was like just 
like really starting to pick up and become really good, and then lights go out and it's the end of the show. You know, yeah, come, I did come back really enjoy the work in this one. I think the, um, the the striking, the countering in it was really good. I think these are two guys who can have like a a genuine match of the year contender mm. if they're given the opportunity to. I think it's. Do, do you think that the narrative of uh, Tommy End can't have good singles matches is broken? Or well, I didn't agree <laughs> with that in the first place. <laughs> like I was the guy that was that was sat here going, "Well, what's what's wrong with putting Tommy End in singles? He's great." So um, yeah, for me, that he's had two really strong matches with with Marty Skrull. I don't think there's any problem with him in singles. I don't. Yeah. I, I can understand people preferring him in tags. Because he's such a good tag team wrestler, but that doesn't preclude him from having singles matches. He's better in tags, I think. But he showed he showed something here. He needs like a proper big time main event that doesn't have a bullshit finish to really show what he's got. Because this match was just getting going, and I was just starting to get into it. Because uh, to be honest, like this was a long show. Like they'd had seven matches beforehand. I was a bit tired heading into the match. I wasn't making much noise oh. like leading into it. <laughs> I know, right? Um, but so it took me a while to really get into it and get into what they were doing. But I was just starting to really think, "Oh, mate, this is this is becoming a really good match." And then uh, it just ended like that. So it was a little disappointing. So hopefully they have a third match where they get to finally just show exactly what they can do. Yeah, I'd, despite the finish, I, I still feel it was a it's a good show. I oh yeah. This is a, very solid show. This was a, matches a strong show all around. Picard. Like, you yeah. had two really strong matches, well, three really strong matches, Webster, Sabre, Gallagher, Dunn, Coffee, Brown. Um, you had the, the very intriguing women's division continuing to enhance, you know, Elizabeth's big moment. <laughs> uh, uh, Pastor William Eva winning the MPS and, like, having that uh, cool moment it, with his buddies in the it ring. It does occur to me that we haven't really put William Eva over at all. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah we sort of, we've sort of skipped his win completely because we were uh, talking about Moser. But yeah, what do we think about Eva now having that title shot and maybe oh, getting a push up the card? I, I can see him in a title match. I, when I was talking to, um, uh, I can't remember if this was you and uh, and Rob or whether it was Dan on the last one, uh, but I remember talking about Eva and saying that of all the guys that were in the Natural Progression series, he's the one guy I could see going and having a title match. Yeah. And now he's won it, I can totally see him going and having a title match. When they choose to do that, I don't know. I um, I have, uh, on Twitter, I have fantasy booked um, Skull, Eva, main eventing Brixton. It's a risk, I would say, but... I've, if you really want to make Eva a top star and you want to put over your Projo guy... Do it on your biggest show of the year. <laughs> is, yeah, is, that, is, that, is that too much, or is that a possibility? I can see that. Um, if he came out and said, I want the title shot at Brixton, I think you'd get a big reaction. Um, I think you'd, you'd have to look at the card as a whole uh, as to whether that would be an issue, because I think you need to to build a strong card for your biggest yeah. show. Because they're going to load so, up that card. So it doesn't yeah. really matter if Eva is in the main event and he's all unproven in the main it's event. Because like, they're going to have loads uh, of Ring other of great Honor's, matches. Uh, Super Card of Honor show over the uh, WrestleMania weekend. 
Yeah. They put Leo, Leo Rush, Rush in that match. 19 years old. <laughs> yeah. So, I, yeah, do a Leo Rush and put Eva in the big spot and see what happens, you know? Because if you just, if you use it on a regular old chapter show, then yeah, it's it's big, but it isn't really big, you know? I, I just feel like he's their guy. He's their self-made guy, you know? So, they, they want to do something with him. So I think why it comes not down to the, the booking around the, the super sweet... Uh, I've cut that up. SSS. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, whoever wins that, I think you're looking at the title match for Brixton. Oh, you think they'd do a G1 thing? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. But then again, it depends who wins it, and it depends whether Skull's still champion then, because we're still talking six months away. Yeah. Uh, it's it's actually only four months away. It's sooner than you think, because <laughs> uh, we're we're oh, in yeah, May now, September. and it's yeah. in sep- it's at the end of September, but it's still in September, so it's sooner away. than you think. They don't have that many shows before then. Like we feel like, oh, it's ages away. It's, oh, but it's uh, it's it's creeping up. Something else might be six months away. I I know what it is. It's uh, ICW's big show. Yes. Yeah. God, it's about six months away. Time's flying. <laughs> I feel like we're only talking about that one like uh, yeah, a month ago. Like it'd been a year, and now it's it's six months already. Um, yeah, well, there's a lot to look forward to. It's uh, the the joy of wrestling. Yeah. Um, so, are you going to the um, uh, Super Strong Style 16? I am going both days because I'll both have finished days. my exams by then. I. I <laughs> I couldn't go last year because I was in the middle of exams, but this year the earlier, so I I will be partying <laughs> with awesome. the wrestling people that bank holiday, and that is very exciting. Um, I guess we're going to preview it next episode. Um, so uh, yeah, but they have announced a few guys for it. Uh, we don't have them on hand right now. Um, but they've announced like Matt Cross, you know, son of Havoc. <laughs> Yeah, Tommy N's in there. Um, uh, Sammy Whiplash Callahan. is in there, isn't he? Mark, Sammy yeah. Callahan. Whiplash is Mark Haskins did a big deal at the start of this show where he came out and asked to be in there. Yep. Zack Sabre Jr. Pete Dunne. So Pete Dunne has earned himself a, a regular spot in the progress rotation now with that performance. So yeah, it's, it's shaping up very nicely. Gibson is not in there, which... Um, <laughs> I think we were we were talking about Gibson being a potential winner at one point. And I, I think they will announce Gibson. Gibson and Mastiff, I think, will be in there. Even though they lost the um, it's cause, the match. No, uh, but they they said that uh, not all of the Origin will be in if they lose, but some of them will. This is what I was talking about earlier with them sort of mm. reneging on the on the the stipulation. A bait and switch on that one. Um. Yeah, also, uh, next time out, we'll be talking about um, the WXW Superstars of Wrestling show, which I was going to review for Voices of Wrestling, but I've spent the entire day catching up on other stuff, um, so I haven't. But uh, I'll try and watch that tomorrow. Um, So that review should be up, and then we'll talk about it next time. Uh, uh, Also, we we might be doing uh, the OTT show, uh, next time a preview of um rob has actually written down what the, 
what the show is. And he's put OTT, E-B-T-B-T-O-B preview. And I don't I, know what that is. I think he's added in a few extra acronyms there. I think it's even better than our best. And he's putting an extra B and a T. So <laughs> <laughs> Even better than better, better than, than our best. <laughs> yeah. That's that is very better. <laughs> That's massively better. So yeah, it's a it's an exciting show coming up. Uh, so we were talking about that, soon. and then we've got an awful lot of other stuff coming up. We've got uh, Rev Pro doing the the big York extra York yeah. Hall show with Kurt Angle, and in July they're running Summer Sizzler, which we're all going to, and we're all sat in the same block. <laughs> Not only are we all sat in the same block, but I think everyone we know from uh, <laughs> like wrestling Twitter is all sat in in block G. So we're gonna have a, a block party. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, the summer of Britress is has almost begun. And I'm actually oh, going wow. to something before that, but I can't tell you about it. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I'm sworn. I am sworn to secrecy until it's been taped. Blue balling. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, and I really want to tell you, but I can't. But that's that's also in June. So uh, by the time we get around to Summer Sizzler, I'll be able to tell you about it. Oh okay. So uh, summer of summer of Britress is on. The secret summer of Britress is on. The uh, secret summer of Britress. Shall we uh, get some plugs in? Plugs. Well, I. Last time I said I'm not going to bother plugging anything so oh, okay. it never makes a damn bit of difference to my Twitter. <laughs> and I have gained 20 followers since then. <laughs> Which, so... The, so, don't, not plugging don't, anything improves yeah, it's it more the, than I plugging. don't care mentality oh, okay. has actually gained me a shitload of so, followers. Yeah. So, you know, find us. I'm going to stick you know, with it. We're not going <laughs> to brag about what we're doing. Just find us. Just find us. Yeah. you going for that approach as well? Or? <laughs> uh, I'll just say, Twitter, another Ollie. And yeah, that's all. At another Ollie. Um, and with that, we're done for um, whatever episode of the Breakfast <laughs> this was. Uh, I'm going to say 16. It, uh, was it 16 or was the last uh, one 16? No one Who even cares, cares anymore. <laughs> uh, uh, okay. Uh, on that note, it's uh, goodbye from Ollie. Uh, cheers and goodbye. And good evening from myself. And we'll see you next time. Here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery.